Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11 tonight is where we're going to be, the book of Acts chapter number 11. We have been going through this, uh, the book of Acts on Wednesday evenings. I know we had Thanksgiving uh, last week, and we had service on Tuesday night, and we talked about being thankful uh, last week, but I want to get back into the series on the book of Acts tonight, and uh, all the way up to where we are, we started out where God gave, Jesus gave the command uh, to tarry in Jerusalem. He told them that they're going to be witnesses after the Holy Ghost has come upon them, and he said, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, and all the way up till chapter 7, roughly, they had been uh, up there to Jerusalem and Judea, but they hadn't gone to Samaria and all of those things. And then you had the stoning of Stephen that took place and uh, how God used a persecuting time to get the gospel out. And uh, Philip then went out to Samaria and began to preach there and uh, see souls saved out throughout all of that. And then God uproots Philip and says, hey, I want you to go to the backside of a desert. And he sends him over to a desert, and we know that in that desert there was an Ethiopian there. He was on that chariot, and he was reading the book of Isaiah, and he couldn't understand what it was all about and uh, how God chose, cared enough about one person to send somebody uh, to a desert just to give them the gospel. And I'm glad that Philip obeyed him, and Philip went, and he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And the man said, How can I accept a man show me? And he got up in the chariot with him, and he began to explain about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to him. And the eunuch gets saved, and uh, they baptize him, and then all of a sudden, boom, Philip disappears. And he, God takes him out of there, and the eunuch rejoiced. He was excited, wow, because he was saved. And uh, Philip begins to preach, and the gospel's going out, all of that. Then we got to chapter 10, where uh, Cornelius was uh, doing all the religious acts. He was doing all the religious works, but uh, he was still missing out on something. And uh, it was a, just proof to show that activity doesn't mean that you're spiritual. Just because you're doing something uh, in church or doing something like that doesn't mean that you've gotten salvation. There's a lot of people that have a lot of uh, doing a lot of religious things, but religion isn't salvation. And uh, Cornelius was a religious man, but he wasn't saved at the time. And uh, Peter, uh, the angel, remember, tells him, send for Peter. And Peter comes back, and uh, Cornelius, man's waiting on him. And uh, when Peter gets back there, he falls down at Peter's feet, tries to worship Peter. Peter tells him, stand up. He says, don't worship me. I'm a man also. He said, this isn't normal. We don't usually come out here and speak to uh, others that aren't Jews and things like this. He said, but uh, the Holy Ghost told me to come. And he gives him the gospel, tells him about Jesus and his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection, and uh, talks about all that. And Cornelius gets saved. And many that were in his house get saved. And uh, they were all baptized. And uh, all throughout this, uh, this is where we've gotten to. And then in the beginning of chapter 11, there's still those uh, that are uh, coming after Peter about going to Cornelius and uh, trying to win others that weren't Jews to Christ. And uh, Peter begins to explain to them that, listen, the Holy Spirit, I saw the difference. I saw what the Holy Spirit did. I saw the change that he made. And God's no respecter of persons. And uh, the gospel's not just for the Jews. It's for everyone. And God's confirmed that in my heart. And so he's given testimony all the way up to the beginning here of chapter 11. But I'm going to jump down all the way to verse number 19 is where we're going to start tonight in the book of Acts chapter number 11. It says, uh, Now they which heard scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen 
traveled about as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when they came and had seen uh, the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he, when he was, uh, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that uh, uh, it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. In verse 27, and in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there, and there stood upon one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it. To the eldest by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now here's where we're at. We, uh, the word Christian is found uh, in this passage of Scripture. And uh, when you talk about being a Christian, uh, what it means is that you're supposed to be Christ-like. Uh, being a Christ-like person. But all the way up till now, Jerusalem had been kind of the epicenter of the gospel. That's where the Jews had gotten the gospel and where uh, uh, most everything was uh, taking place there in Jerusalem and in Judea and all of those areas. But now Antioch is uh, coming on the scene and you only hear the word Christian in the Bible three different times. And we're going to talk about those a little bit here tonight as we go through the message. But I want to talk about this uh this gateway to the gospel, as it would be, this next gateway, Antioch, to the Gentile-type people. And uh, here's where we're going to see the ministry of Barnabas and Saul. And Saul is going to kind of take the forefront here after Barnabas brings him into Antioch. Some things have been taking place, and all the way up to now, remember it talks about the stoning of Stephen and all of these things. And up until this time, the gospel had only really been in Jerusalem. But now the stoning of Stephen happened, and because of that, now the gospel's going out, and it's going out to uh, Cyprus and Phoenice uh, uh, and all these different places. And it said, preaching the word, uh, but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus. And Cyrene. Now, Cyprus and Cyrene are completely opposite directions of Jerusalem. Now, the gospel is going in a totally different way. It's going out, reaching out into the uttermost parts of the earth. And word gets back to the church that, hey, the gospel's not just here in this epicenter of Jerusalem and Judea. The gospel's actually being spread. Remember, Philip went out and began to preach to some of the Samaritans. And Amalus, Ethiopian eunuch, he got saved and all this stuff. And now, the word of God's doing what the word of God does. The gospel's going out and it's reaching people. And you understand, we have a message to give to folks. And that's a message of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't save anybody. The gospel saves them. 
They're saved by the power of the gospel. And we need to understand that it's very important for us to get the gospel out. Antioch, during this time, uh, if you study back to the history uh, of it all, I was doing some research this week on it, looking at it. Antioch, during this time uh, that this is all being recorded about, was the third largest city in the world. Rome was first, and then there was, um, after Rome, then you had... um, Egypt uh, was there, Alexandria, Egypt was next, and then you had Antioch, and they say the estimated population in Antioch at this time was around 500 to 600,000 people, a very big place at this time. And as you begin to study it, there was a lot of wicked things going on in Antioch at this time. There was polytheism where people were worshiping many gods. A lot of things happening there. There was prostitution uh, going all over the place. Even Rome considered Antioch a bad place. If Rome considered Antioch a bad place, then you know Antioch was probably pretty bad. But there was word that got back to the church that uh, even though in this real wicked place, even though there was people worshiping many other gods, even though there was people uh, that were doing some inappropriate things, even though there was a, it was labeled a bad place, there was a little bit of light in Antioch because of the gospel. And word got back to the church that Antioch had some believers. And they needed some help. They needed some people to come out and talk to them. And I want to share three things with you tonight about this next gateway to the gospel. Here you have the gateway there. The Man, there was Jerusalem and Judea and all those things. But now here we're getting ready to spread from Antioch. And we're about to see great things take place throughout the rest of the book of Acts as we begin to read through it. But I want you to see firstly about this situation that we're going to read about Antioch. And what's so significant about it was, firstly, it was founded by faithful pioneers. You say, what are you talking about? People that were willing that even through the stoning of Stephen, even through the persecuting times, even through all of those times that they were experiencing, still giving the gospel out and still preaching Jesus wherever they went. There were some people being faithful even when it wasn't easy to do. See, we want things easy, don't we? We want to be able to go out and give the gospel just when everybody's okay with it. We want to give the gospel when nobody's going to make fun of us or nobody's going to say anything derogatory to us. I'm talking about these people weren't, weren't living in America. These people weren't living in a place where people just say, well, I don't like your beliefs, so I'm going to unfriend you. I mean, they're thinking, I'm going to pick up a stone and, and crash your skull in. That's what they're thinking. Or I'm going to try to stone you or run you out of town or do whatever it may be. Uh, their lives were at stake. You remember Saul had gotten permission to go around and uh, to put them in jail and different things of that nature. And so they weren't just going through a, a little bit of difficulties. These were big times that they were going through, very trying times, but they were still being faithful to pioneer the gospel wherever they went. See, they were preaching Jesus. And everywhere we read about with Peter and Paul and and all these ones, they said they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They just preached Jesus. That was the message, his death, burial, and resurrection. They were founded by faithful pioneers. Look at verse 19. It said, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus, And look what it says, and where? Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. They had been preaching only to the Jews. They traveled that far, but they were like, we're not going any farther than this. But then as we continue on, it says, but some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Cyprus and Cyrene were in a complete different place. And guess what? They went out and they heard the gospel and they believed and they were 
winning people to Christ. But we have to, these circumstances, they took them away from their home. You understand, they had to leave their home because they were being chased. They were being uh, hunted down. They were trying to put them in jail and all these things. And none of us ever have experienced that. We, we live in America where we have the freedom to believe what we want to believe. And we think, man, uh, it, it's, it's a lot to ask just to go to church on Sunday morning. I mean, preacher, why do we have to go on Sunday night and Wednesday night? And listen, I know this is the faithful crowd here on Wednesday night. I understand that. But, you know, these people were dedicated pioneers for the Lord. They were faithful to do what God wanted them to do. They were displaced by their unsettling circumstances. These unsettling circumstances in their life took them away from where they were comfortable, took them out of their comfort zones. They're being chased, but they're still giving the gospel. And as I was thinking about what they were going through, my mind went back to the Old Testament there to Daniel when the Babylonian captivity came in and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all taken, which uh, they weren't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the time. They were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah when they were taken uh, from the, in the Babylonian captivity. But here they had to come and they had to learn a new language, learn a new lifestyle. They had to learn all those things, but yet they still held fast to the things of God. The Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And through the testimony of Daniel and through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guess what? Uh, there was kings that had uh, believed on the Lord and said, hey, surely this God is their God. He is the God. And that testimony rang through. I thought of Joseph, how Joseph uh, was his father's favorite. And he comes down to his brothers and he tells them the dream, remember, and they get mad at him and they put him in a pit and then they sell him uh, into slavery and then he ends up in the prison uh, and gets lied about by uh, Potiphar's wife and all that stuff, ends up in prison, all those things. But yet he still did what was right. And he still uh, was able, God was able to use him in all of those things. See, Cyprus uh, was close by there, but Cyrene was in the total opposite direction of their home. Different direction, different place, but the gospel was, God's not a respecter of persons. We saw that in chapter 10. God's wanting the gospel to go everywhere. But now here in Antioch, there's some light in this darkness. There's some light in this wicked city. And the church gets word about it, and there were some faithful pioneers that had been getting the gospel out, and that word gets back to the church, and they're thinking, hey, we've got to do something about this. There's people out there, they have the gospel, but they need to grow in the things of God. And that's a good point in discipleship. See, we, 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 uh, we need to come to the place in our life where we understand that seeing people saved isn't the only thing we need to be doing. We need to see people saved, yes, but when they get saved, the Bible says they're babes in Christ. They become infants in God's family. And there's nobody sitting in this room tonight that if we walked out these front doors and we saw a car carrier there with an infant baby in it with a note that says, I need help, feed me. Nobody would walk by and say, well, uh, somebody else will take care of them and keep on going. You know what we would do? We would make sure that baby had everything that it needed. We would make sure at least it had some, some food, it had milk, it had something uh, to sustain it. We would make sure we kept it in our possession until uh, we found the parents or until uh, the police were able to get it and, and find their mom or dad or, or if we just kept it ourselves until we knew that it was cared for. But nobody would leave that baby out there by themselves. But we do that on a regular basis spiritually. 
We have people get saved and they become new babes in Christ and we never call them back. We never follow up with them. We never try to help them grow in the things of God. And that's where these people in Antioch were. They had been saved, but now they didn't know which next direction to go. They didn't know what else to do. And so uh, even though they were founded by faithful pioneers and people had been giving them the gospel, they had to have a heart for the people. The church had to get a heart for the people. You could say, well, that's wicked. We can't go to that place. And uh, listen, anywhere there's sinners, there's going to be wickedness. You understand that the world's full of sinners. And we all were born in sin. Every one of us are. The difference between you and I, uh, us and them, if we're saved, is we're saved by grace. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But guess what? We're still a sinner who's saved. They're a sinner who's lost and on their way to hell. And we have to get a heart for people listen here's the thing is that a lot of people you know why they were going up here to jerusalem and judea and all this stuff i believe they they love their their homelands and all that stuff but they just wanted to be in their comfort zone where they where they wanted to be but you know if we begin to get a heart for a people and not a place it'll really help us out you say what are you talking about listen i love martinsburg west virginia i love the fact that we're here but we send missionaries across the foreign land why because we need to get the gospel everywhere not just here. See, if we get a heart for the people, it's going to be we want to reach the people where they're at. Not just in our little comfort zone, not just in our little area, but all across the world. And that's what God's plan was, is that the gospel would get out. People are more important than the place. A love for people will cause a passion for preaching the gospel. You get a love for people and you start caring about people, you're going to care where they're going to spend eternity. You're going to care where their soul's going to end up. Because every person is going to go to either heaven or they're going to go to hell. There is no in-between. And it might be tonight, it might be tomorrow. We're not guaranteed to, uh, what tomorrow holds. But I wonder, those people that we come in contact with, uh, they're going to spend eternity somewhere, whether heaven or hell. And our voice might be what makes them, what, what hangs in the balance. Are we sharing the gospel? Listen, we have to be... Uh, willing to pioneer the gospel wherever we go take it no matter where it is you know there may be times that God uproots people and moves them to a different place because we belong to God we belong to him there's been people that have uh, up and moved for ministry purposes or whatever God's led them away in different places and all that stuff but listen it doesn't matter where they go or what they do they still need to be giving the gospel as long as they're being faithful to God and, and following God's leadership, uh, God can take you, He can take me, He can tell you, listen, I don't care if you're three years from retirement, I want you to go to the far uh, corner of Africa and start giving the gospel somewhere. Listen, we need to be faithful to pioneer the gospel and do what God wants us to do. But if you'll have a love for people, it won't matter where you're at, you'll reach people. It won't matter what area God puts you in. Verse 21 and 22, look what it said there. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. You know what they realized in all of this? That they weren't doing it under their own power. They were doing it under the power of God. If they do the work under the power of God, people will get saved. God will do some miraculous things. And when we just get over ourselves and we just submit to the Lord and do what God wants us to do, we'll see God do some great things in our land. 
And just with the crowd that we have in here tonight, if we just have a desire to pioneer the gospel wherever we go, we start caring about people more than we care about a place. It don't matter if I'm sitting in church. It doesn't matter if I'm at the gas station. It doesn't matter if I'm on vacation somewhere in a different state. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm going to give the gospel wherever I go. That's our mindset ought to be. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen, they understood that it was... The word of God that helped them. Look at verse 22. It said, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. So this church here at Antioch, or this place of Antioch, it was founded here by this church that's going to be established here is founded by faithful pioneers but I want you to see secondly look what it says here in verse 22 when they sent Barnabas here to Antioch it was fertilized by faithful leaders you say what's that mean is now you had a birth that took place here you had a seed that had been getting root but uh, any of you that have ever done any kind of uh, planting or farming of any nature you know fertilizing is a big help in growth and spiritually, we need to be fertilizing those that are saved and have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Guess what they need? They need disciples. They need faithful leaders that are going to go and disciple them and help grow them. And so the church of Jerusalem hears about this and they say, hey, we've got to send somebody there to help them to grow. We've got to send somebody to where they're at so that they know where to go in the next step. That they know what to do next. And so they send forth Barnabas. They said, Barnabas, you got to go and you got to help fertilize this and help it to see it grow. They called Barnabas the son of consolation. You know what that meant? The Mr. Encourager. He was an encouragement. Barnabas was. You remember Saul when uh, he had debated with the Grecians and all those things and uh, people were still skeptical of him. He had gotten saved and they said, I don't know about this guy. Uh, he was the one wanting to kill us, remember? I don't know if we can trust him. Barnabas is the one that put his arm around him and said, No, listen, I saw him preaching Jesus. I saw him transformed. I saw what Jesus did in him. And he was an encouragement and said, Listen, you need to trust Saul. God has done a work in him. He's, he's a new creature in Christ Jesus. He's saved. He's different. I watched him debate over Jesus. I watched him preach in the name of Jesus. He's one that, that will help. And uh, he was that encouragement. But Barnabas was one that was willing, he said here in verse 23, look what it says. He said, who when, who when he came had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all. He said that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. You know what Barnabas says to him? He says, listen, I'm so excited about what God's doing here in Antioch. He said, but let me encourage you to do something. Let me encourage you to cleave unto the Lord. Now I looked up what that word cleave meant. And it said, to hold to as if it was the same person. So I began to think about that. And I began to think about when we cleave unto the Lord, we're supposed to hold on to him as if we are part of him. And he is part of us. So what he was telling them is, listen, I know you're, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven now. But you've got to know God in such a way that you are just part of him. And he is part of you. You've got to have that mind of Christ 
as the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And that's not just for the people at Antioch. That's for us here today. I believe God put everything in the Word of God on purpose for us to know what He wants us to know. And the fact of the matter is we need to learn to cleave unto the Lord. We need to learn to have a relationship with God. And listen, let's get over ourselves tonight and understand we are so busy in our society today. We have so many things going on that I think God gets put on the back burner. And we think whenever I have time for him, I'm going to pull him up to the forefront and say, Okay, God, now it's your time. But we need to come to the place in our life where we learn just to cleave unto the Lord. That he's just part of us and we are part of him. And wherever he goes, we go. And whatever he does, we do. And whatever he says, we say. And whatever God thinks, we think. And that, that's just how it ought to be. Why? Because we've been bought with a price. We belong to him. Well, how do we develop that? We get into the word of God. We begin to study it. We begin to cleave unto the Lord. And I could imagine that during all this time, they had been wondering why they had been chased and been persecuted and all of these things and I'm sure there have been times in their life that they ask God God why is all this happening you know and I'm sure there's been times in our life we've done the same thing and I reread a quote this week it said the teacher's always silent during the test and I begin to think about that say you know when we ask God sometimes God why is this happening to me and God doesn't give you the answer? Maybe it's because you're in a testing time and God's saying, listen, I can't give you the answers during the testing time. But when the test is all over, listen, we're going to review. We're going to go over the answers. We're going to give you the right direction. We're going to put you on the right foundation in the right direction. And it's a learning process for us. And we have to come to the place where we realize that we have to fertilize the ground. There's a lot of people out there that have been saved but don't know which direction to go. A lot of people out there have been saved and they don't know what this book says about how to live their life. They have no idea what it means to live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. They have no idea what it means to have to, 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 to come to church or to give in the offering or to, uh, to pray or to read their Bible. They, they don't know any of that. They don't understand what it means to study the Word of God or to give the gospel to somebody else because they're a babe in Christ. They've not been taught. And God needs some faithful leaders that are willing to just fertilize the field listen it was founded by faithful pioneers and it was uh, fertilized by faithful leaders but as we continue to go down through look at verse 23 it said who when he came he had grace and he uh, asked him to cleave unto the lord verse 24 says for he was a good man full of the holy ghost and of faith and much people were added unto the church much people were added unto the church it said this, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to see Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. The last thing that we see in this passage is after the fertilization happened, the church began to flourish by faithful disciples. You say, what are you talking about? It wasn't just the leaders helping grow the people. It was the people then getting out and flourishing the church. See, that's God's plan. You understand that? 
It's for us to pioneer the gospel wherever we go, to disciple folks, to get them to grow. And then it's the church's job as a whole to make it flourish wherever it goes. To flourish. Three times you see the word Christian in the Bible. Here we see this in this passage. And then Paul, when he's standing before King Agrippa, remember he says, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And then if you read in 1 Peter chapter 4, he talks about suffering as a Christian. You understand the word Christian is, wasn't an a endearing word to them at that time. They were accusing them of uh, being little Christs. It was people saying, hey, listen, I don't understand what you all are doing out here. You guys are acting as if Jesus is there. Well, listen, that should be a compliment. They were meaning to be derogatory, but the fact is we ought to be Christians. There's a lot of saved people that aren't very Christian. A lot of saved people that aren't very Christ-like in their living. But the disciples here flourished the church. The people of the church began to spread out. And look what it says. It says, uh, and much people were added unto the church. Much people were added unto the church. These people began to see other people saved and more people growing and uh, things flourishing all throughout. And you know what it takes? It takes not just one person giving the gospel. It takes multiple people spreading the gospel for it to flourish all over the place. Now listen, I believe God can do many things through one voice who's preaching for Him. One person who is willing to be a voice. Remember the voice of one crying in the wilderness? Remember him? He did a, a big, big work for God. But the fact is, imagine if all of us were a voice for the Lord. How it could flourish throughout our city. How Martinsburg could be turned upside down for God. Man, they, had, they built relationships with people. They went all the way through and Barnabas began to realize that, listen, this is growing. People are getting saved. I need to get some other helpers here to help me to get this out. And he thought about Saul and how Saul began to uh, debate with those Grecians. He said, I liked his zeal. I liked his heart. I liked what he was doing. He was one that wasn't afraid just to call it like it was. And he went and found Saul and Saul came back and they began to work together to help grow it even more. And other people began to help do things and the church began to grow. It said, and in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Listen, there was relationships that they had built with people that were pagan at one time and now uh, they're getting saved and added unto the church and now here other prophets are coming by. Here's Agabus speaking in the Spirit and they had relationships with them and then uh, it even talks about how they even began to send money back to, to Judah because they, they heard that things were going, back, uh, go, going wrong back there. And they began to have relationships with the poor. And uh, what we need to understand is this, that we can't uh, just limit ourselves to our little group or our little clique. We have to understand God loves everybody. We need to be reaching out to anybody that we can. But these people were sensitive to the word of God. They heard the word of the Lord say to do it, so they did it. They listened to God's word. When they heard the word of the Lord, they were sensitive to it, and people got saved. But they were submissive to the word of God. Verse 29, then the disciples every, uh, said, Every man according to the ability determined to send relief unto the brethren 
which dwelt in Judah. Listen, they heard that there was a, a dearth throughout all the land, and they said, listen, we just need to be submissive to what God says when he says, bear you one another's burdens, and we need to help one another out. And uh, Listen, I know they didn't have a complete copy of the Word of God like you and I have today, but I believe God was empowering the messengers that were telling them, saying, listen, folks need our help, and if we have the ability to help them, we ought to help them. And listen, they were sensitive to the Word of God. When God spoke, they wanted to hear what God had to say. But they were submissive to the Word of God. Listen, when you hear what God's Word says, you ought to be sensitive to listen to God's Word. That still small voice, you ought to be sensitive listening to it, trying to be hearing what God has to say, but then be submissive to whatever it is God tells you. When God tells you to get involved somewhere, you ought to get involved there. If God says, hey, I want you to work in a bus route, you ought to work in a bus route. If God says, I want you to help in the choir, you ought to get in the choir. If God says, hey, I want you just to uh, be faithful and uh, give this or give that or do this, then you should do whatever God says. God's not limited to whatever area he has for us. God has given different abilities to different people. There's different people that have different attributes, different things that we are allowed to do or that God's given us the ability to do. But the fact is, when God speaks, we ought to be submissive to it and just do what God says. But not only were they sensitive to the Word of God and submissive to the Word of God, they were selfless about doing the, the Word of God. You say, what do you mean? They were selfless in, obe- in their obedience. They weren't thinking of themselves. They said there were some people in need and we need to help them. They said, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. I was thinking this week, if God would allow Faith Baptist Church to be the gateway to the gospel in Martinsburg. God allow us to get that gospel out. But not just to get the gospel out, to fertilize that gospel and then to see the work of God flourish because of it. See, that's what God wants to do. But you know what it takes? It takes some faithful pioneers that are willing just to say, okay, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want, I'll do. God, wherever you send me, I'll go. God, whoever you tell me to talk to, I'll talk to. God, it doesn't matter. I'm yours from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. That's what it takes. Complete submission to God. And as I was going through God's word this week and I was looking through, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not submissive to you, if there's anything in me, Lord, that's holding back from getting the gospel to to those who need it, Lord, please help me to see that so I can get rid of it and get it right. So that I can see God's word flourish. And listen, that ought to be our prayer. I'm not trying to stand up here and be more self-righteous than anybody else. I'm telling you what the Lord did in my heart. As I was reading through this and studying this this week and going through it, I had to come to the place where I had to examine myself. And I had to say, listen, am I being selfless in the ministry? Am I trying to reach people not about me, but all about Him? Am I trying to love those whom He loved? Am I trying to reach out to those who he died for? Am I trying to give the gospel to all of those who I come in contact with? And uh, I was really challenged by that this week. And uh, I had to give out a little bit extra tracts this week because I realized there's some times that we get in our, our religious rut. And we begin to go through the motions in the Christian life. And you get busy doing this or doing that or getting involved in a ministry or getting involved in that that we forget about that person on the gas pump next to us who could be on their way to hell, 
that all it might take is somebody to care enough about them that it doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter who's listening, it doesn't matter who, what, what person might laugh at you for trying to give them the gospel, but you're willing to hand them a gospel track and say, hey, listen, I don't know uh, why, but the Lord put this on my heart today. Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Uh, and if they say no or they say yes, whatever, well, praise the Lord if they are. And if they're not, well, uh, God gave me this appointed time uh, just to give you the gospel and tell you how you can go to heaven. Listen, I'm not saying everybody's going to accept it, but everybody ought to hear it. And it's our job to tell them. God's given us that job. We need some faithful pioneers that will give the gospel out. We need some faithful leaders that will help fertilize it and see disciples grow. Listen, if you're seasoned in God's word and you've been in church for a long period of time, listen, you have an obligation to make sure younger Christians get to know God in a personal way. Well, how do we do that? We share the gospel with them. We live in such a way that we set a good example for what they're supposed to do. We try to encourage them into doing the right thing. Listen, I didn't say you go around them and you start saying, listen, let me tell you what, you're a wicked, vile heathen and you ought to stop doing this. No, what you ought to do is you ought to love them to God. You ought to show them by example of how you're supposed to live and what you're supposed to do. And you're supposed to help guide them along the way and help fertilize them and teach them and grow them in God's word. And then once we begin to do that, guess what? There ought to be more disciples that are joining in together saying, hey, let's get the gospel out. And the, the word of God's flourishing and going all throughout Martinsburg and doing a great work. You know what? It ought not just to be Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church or Maplewood Baptist Church. It ought to be Faith Baptist Church. And every believer in Christ ought to be giving the gospel out. It doesn't matter what church you're attending. It doesn't matter all of those things. What matters is do you have the gospel and are you giving it to other folks? That's what matters. Listen, I think sometimes we get worried about, well, what camp are you in? Or what crowd do you hang out with? Or this, that, and the other. We need to just be in Jesus' camp. Love those whom he loved. Reach those whom he's reaching out for. And listen, we ought to see some more souls saved and more lives changed. And you know what it's going to take? Some people just caring more about people than we care about our things. You know what? There's times I've seen people that are, man, God's blessed them. And financially, they've been blessed. They have a nice house. They have nice things. And listen, that's not a bad thing. But it becomes bad when we elevate that above our reason that God left us here on this earth. You know, if you have all the things this world has to offer, but you've never given the gospel to one person, you've not been a success for the Lord. You ought to be giving the gospel out to folks. Why? Because how shall they hear without a preacher? How can they hear and believe in the word of God if they don't hear about it? Well, who are they going to hear it from? Those of us that have it. Those of us that have experienced it. Well, who's the best ones to witness to them? Ones that have no clue about it? Or ones that have experienced a new birth in Jesus Christ. Listen, you don't have to have every verse exactly correct, but you have to know how you got to, how, how you're on your way to heaven. If you're saved in this room tonight, you know how you got saved. And you can tell somebody about it. Listen, let's give the gospel out. Let's see folks saved. Let's get willing just to fertilize that and not just see uh, newborn babes go off to the sidelines there and uh, end up casualties because they have no idea of what to do. And just as we would never physically leave a baby outside, we ought not to leave a spiritual baby out to the side for Satan to get a hold of. 
We ought to teach them the truth of the Word of God. And listen, it's not just the pastor's job and it's not just the deacon's job to flourish the Word of God. It's the church's job to get the gospel out. So let me encourage you. Be a faithful pioneer. Fertilize the Word of God. Man, fertilize them. See them grow. And let's see it flourish throughout our city. And not just stop there. Let's keep giving to missions. Let's keep doing all those things. Why? So we can get the gospel to this world. Because that's what God cares about. And let's keep it going forward. Our heads bowed, eyes closed.